Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, Offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton Stevens. And this is the podcast where people tell me about the five things from their life that they'd like to preserve in a time capsule, four things they cherish, and one they rather regret and would like to bury in the ground and never have to think about again. My guest in this episode is the actor, writer, and comedian Rory McGrath. Rory's career began after he left Cambridge University and the Footlights when he wrote for Frankie Howard and Not the Nine O'Clock News with his writing partners Clive Anderson and Jimmy Mulville. This led to Jimmy and him writing and performing Who Dares Wins on Channel 4, which led to him, Jimmy and Denise O'Donoghue forming the independent production company Hattrick. Rory was a panellist on the quiz show They Think It's All Over for many years and starred alongside Dara O'Brien and his old university friend Griff Rhys-Jones in three series of the BBC's Three Men in a Boat. He then appeared with Paddy McGuinness in Channel 5's Rory and Paddy's Great British Adventure and he also presented two series of The Lakes for ITV. I spoke to Rory over the internet, which is strange because we were both in the same room. No, not really, obviously. I jest. It's clearly not worth it. So, let's find out what Rory would like to put in his time capsule. Rory, welcome to my time capsule. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. As with all these things, and you won't believe this of me, but I've actually done some research, and I'm shocked to find that you've been involved with time capsules before, and not in what I'd call a good way. Fascinating to hear, because I've got no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, so you don't remember your own work history. Uh, no, I, 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 I'm pleased to hear that I have one, because I've completely <laughs> forgotten about that part of my life now that I'm a beekeeper. Well, okay, I'll remind you then. But apparently, you tried to stop Sooty from putting his time capsule into the ground. Is that true? June. Oh, my God, you did. That's, that's incredible. That's what it was. 
I, I got a part in one of my early TV roles was playing a Jobsworth. Is this what, am I, have I got this right? A Jobsworth yeah. man is always saying, you can't park there, you can't dig that, you can't swim there. Yeah, and I, I was a friend of the director, and I met him in Lanzarote <laughs> on holiday, and he said, oh, Roy, can you just do me a favour and play this Jobsworth? And I said, yeah, it sounds great. And I said, what, what programme is it? He said, Sooty. I thought, oh, Sooty, oh, <laughs> you know, our, generation, our generation, you know. One of the hardest jobs I've ever had to do, by the way, um, one of the scenes was uh, Sooty and Sweet go fishing. Now, you can imagine, <laughs> given, given Sooty and Sweet are handheld glove puppets, right? Yep. There's big logistic problems. So they're going fishing in a small, tiny boat. I appear as a frogman from the pond holding a sign saying no fishing. Mm. Now, they say, right, Roy, lie down in, on the water. to Chessington World of Adventure. I'm in the lake there. And Sooty and Sweet, <laughs> Sooty and Sweet are in their boat fishing. And so they say, okay, Roy, lie down. And when the water comes, we'll we'll cue you and come up with the sign. I said, okay. So I'm lying down thinking, I, I'm underwater. I'm underwater and I can't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm now gasping for breath because it was going to be, you know, and so, <laughs> and so I go, ah, 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 facing the wrong way because you can't ever, when you're lying on basically six feet of duck shit slime, <laughs> it's very hard to get up. So I get up and I'm facing the wrong way and said, how, how are you going to cue me? <laughs> that's a great point so then they tie um, they tie a piece of string to my leg so <laughs> they can yank it this goes on and we eventually get a take right and then one of the great gags is sooty falls in the water no sooty falls in the water so i'm lying there or sitting there by now in my frogman's gear and the director says do you mind being the sooty operator and i thought oh, jesus this is this is something to tell your kids, you know, yeah. when I'm actually, you know, holding sooty, I'm actually manipulating, I'm working sooty, I am the sooty operator. And they said to me, um, are you left-handed or right-handed, Rory? And I said, <laughs> well, I'm actually left-handed, but it's that a problem. Director shouts, uh, can we have a waterproof left-handed sooty? And they open <laughs> this huge chest and there's about 400 sooties in you know, green sooties, burnt sooties, right-handed, left-handed, left-handed waterproof, left-handed waterproof, and they chuck it in. And I thought, <laughs> Jesus, this is this is. On a, I expect sooty to be carried around on a red velvet cushion. The sooty. There's hundreds yeah. of them. <laughs> oh no! Ruined my oh, day. That, it does. It spoils the illusion, doesn't it? There was a huge bloke uh, who was one of the, you know, stagehands on the set. And because Sooty's filmed in the old days, it's filmed on, you know, on 35 mil, it's for proper filming, you know, whatnot. And uh, well, this bloke, about six foot, really face, all like that. And uh, his job, if it started raining, was to hold an umbrella over Sooty. <laughs> and I said to him, Ron, what do you, <laughs> when your children say, what do you do for a living, daddy, what do you tell them? He said, Fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. Anyway, well, thank, so thank you for reminding me about Sooty. I'd completely forgotten. There you are, you see. And that's, that's... my only—that's my one good anecdote out the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so what's your first item that you're going to put into the time capsule? I'm going to read out something that this will be a clue. Mm -hmm. And Arsenal comes streaming forward now in what surely will be their last attack—a good ball by Dixon finding Smith. For Thomas, charging to the midfield. Thomas, it's up for grabs now. Thomas, right at the end. An unbelievable climax to the league season. Oh, now for any Liverpool fan listening, 
that causes an enormous amount of pain, doesn't I it? I know, but do you know what, Michael? I get the shivers whenever I, I look at that <laughs> moment of Michael Thomas's goal. People who don't know the context, it was the last game of the season. It was delayed because of the Hillsborough disaster. So it was a one-off season. The FA Cup had been played. Liverpool had won it, so they're on for the double. But mathematically, or arithmetically, as my pedantic uh, maths teacher, brother-in-law says, arithmetically, Arsenal had to win by two clear goals. You know? As Brian Moore said on the night, it's a chillingly simple night. Arsenal have to win by two clear goals. Otherwise, the title stays on Merseyside. And all Arsenal supporters thought, we're never going to beat Liverpool. This is the great, we're never going to beat Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Michael Thomas, our midfielder, scored virtually the last kick of the game. Adam Smith has scored on 52 minutes and uh, it was just one of the most, I, th- I think, I mean, I can't remember, you're a football fan, aren't you? Um, I am a football fan, but I'm a Manchester United fan. I was trying to place your accent. It's Mancunian. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very strongly Mancunian, as you can tell. <laughs> um, so... Uh, that moment, I think the greatest sporting moment uh, ever. Um, okay. but as, as, as you probably pointed out at the beginning, Liverpool supporters probably have a slightly different view of it. Well, but, I remember watching that game. And uh, what's extraordinary is that the thing that people maybe forget is that all the Liverpool team were congratulating themselves, weren't they, just before the whistle? John Barnes shaking people's hands. and uh, They weren't. They were 1-0 down. 1-0 down. down. So mathematically, they could be, arithmetically, excuse me, they got the double. They won the title. Yeah, and they were patting each other. And I, I remember my son, Joe, was 13 months. He was very hard to get to sleep. And my wife, Mary, Joe's mother, said to me, I've just got Joe to sleep. If Arsenal score, don't scream. <laughs> Uh, we're no longer married, by the way, I should point yeah, out. No, probably <laughs> after that night, I should imagine. Um, oh. So Arsenal go one the lap. Um, Norm, is this big guy, well, we'd arrange to go for a curry afterwards. Win or lose, we're going to have a celebration curry down the road at a, at a lovely little place for about five minutes walk from my house called the Bengal Brasserie, which ironically is run and owned by Hussein, um, who's a Tottenham supporter. So anyway, so Norm says, get your coat on, we're going for a curry. I said, oh, I've got to watch to the end, you know. He said, no, no. So we, I said, no, we just sit down and take your coat off. And um, the other friend was a guy called Bruce Hyman, who's a, a QC, a, a, among other things. A very sort of very well-spoken guy. And um, and he said, I, I think, well, we might as well watch to the end of the game. You know, I will, it looks like we're going to win 1-0. And Norm says, well, there's no point. We've got to win 2-0. And it's, <laughs> and it's now, we're now, it's 91 minutes. Let's go. So he puts his coat on. And I said to Bruce, I said, go, let's go and have a curry. So we, we all put our coats on. We're sort of sidling out the room. And it was just, I, I still, I can't talk about it now. It's pathetic. Isn't it? I'm, I, it's not pathetic. It's not pathetic at all. I think it's, um, it's, it's a great thing to have in life, I think, that sort of passion. But uh, I have to point out that, of course, that having opened the living room door and then all of you standing in the doorway, when that goal was scored, there was no way you were not going to wake Joe up. Correct. The house basically shook with the, the amount of noise we made. Joe slept through it all. And yes. As now an Arsenal supporter with all the, all the attendant misery that goes with it nowadays. But he was 13 months then, so I feel that he was part of it. Yeah. You've had a number of, uh, of friends who are Tottenham and... Uh, didn't you used to have a, a, a relationship with phoning Peter Cook? Did you? Peter Cook was a Tottenham supporter and rather sadly... Uh, the uh, procedure was this. If Arsenal won, he'd phone me and say, all right, very good, Arsenal, well, I deserve to win. And if Tottenham won, I'd phone him and say, congratulations, Peter. And uh, Tottenham had won, and I said, 
oh fuck, I kind of phoned Peter Cook, but I was so annoyed by this. I said, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna phone him. I'll leave it a few days. And in the few days that I delayed, he died. And oh, I, yeah. and I remember thinking, I, I was saying to Nick, I said, I said, I've got to phone Peter Cook. He's gonna think I'm now, you know, I'm now sulking. Uh, and as I was thinking this, I saw on a muted television a picture of Peter Cook. You know, that when you think, why is there a picture of Peter Cook on the television? Mm. It can only be one thing. So that was rather sad. But no, we had some good fun times, Peter Cook and I, talking about mm. football. He was seriously Tottenham, though if you needled him a bit, he, he'd admit to being a Torquay United supporter first. So yeah, there were a lot go. of people. With the, you have a big club and a small club, don't you? Yeah, so with mine, the big club is Arsenal and the small club is Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd, I'd argue you don't have a big club. <laughs> well, you're you're Manchester United and you live in Kent. So was it Gillingham? Is it Gillingham? Is that your other... <laughs> well, I was born near Millwall Football Ground, so right. I suppose I should support them. But uh, I'm not an idiot. Well, that's lovely, but I'm happy to put that evil. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to put Michael Thomas's goal, that moment, yeah. into the time capsule for you. Hey, can I just... There's one, one sweet, a sweet addendum to that. Yes, please. Is that uh, Michael Thomas not long after then, actually transferred to Liverpool and became a Liverpool player. He had a quite a successful time with them. And they were playing Arsenal at Highbury. And I was there at the game and managed to, you know, in vegan my way into the players' lands. And mm. Michael Thomas is with the Liverpool people. And, um, and he recognised me and said, oh, so you probably don't like me anymore, do you? And I sort of felt like hugging him and bur- kissing him, saying, Mike, yeah, we, I love you. There's, there's no one in the world. There's no one in the world I love more than you. And gee, I would yeah. go on my knees to you, mate. You know. Yes, it's true. These people are, uh, they're, they're always going to be gods to you, I think. Mm. I had exactly that feeling. I once watched the final match of Manchester United and we sat in the director's box. I'm delighted to say I was very lucky. Anyway, it was the last game of the season and we drew with Chelsea and it meant that we finished third rather than second. So right. I was slightly annoyed about it, but uh, all the all the directors seemed to be pleased because it meant the Manchester United were going to play an extra game in Europe. Ah, right. So they, they got another trip out of it. Uh, yeah. so I thought this was, I thought, oh, that's how it works, is it? And then the, the Players, of course, walk around the pitch and you applaud them. But they start off in one corner and the last place they walk past is the director's box. And by the time they got there, it was empty. Oh, really? Apart from me <laughs> and, and one other person. And I stood there and applauded them as they went by. And then I turned to go and then this hand landed on my shoulder and this voice said, well done. And I turned and it was Eric Cantona. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So he was a true fan, as far as I was concerned. Wow. But it was a great it's, moment. It's, 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 meeting footballers is odd, isn't it? Because we're, we are always going to be older than footballers, aren't we? Even when we were younger. Yeah. And I remember saying to a, a friend of mine, an actor, who was a Sheffield Wednesday supporter, uh, but he knew David Dean, the Arsenal vice chairman. And he said to me, if, if you ever, I said, if you ever want any tickets or anything, he said, I'll tell you, I'd love to perhaps get into Players' Lounge and meet some of the players. And this guy said, mm. meet the players? <laughs> Why the fuck do you want to meet the player? Have you met a footballer? <laughs> boring as fuck, you know. And actually, uh, I did do a charity event at Highbury once. I was comparing, uh, doing running an auction or something for charity. And anyway, I went to the lavatory um, and I was washing my hands. And as I turned, Cesc Fabregas was standing there, who was oh. God. Mm. And, you know, and I did Spanish university, so I didn't know a little bit of Spanish. And I just stood there standing. I, I went, Hombre. And he looked at me and went, Hombre. 
<laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I was in the foyer of the BBC once and uh, had, had quite... You've been man. everywhere, Mike. You've I've been, been everywhere. everywhere. I've been everywhere. And I'm standing there and a little man, quite short, little old man came and stood next to me and he said to the woman at the reception, uh, do you know where the car park is? Because I, I couldn't park in the horseshoe thing and my wife... Uh, I think she's in the car. Do you know how to get there? And I turned it, and it was Bobby Cholton. And I said, I, I know where it is. And he said, oh, would you show me, son? And I went, yeah, of course. So I walked him to the car park, and uh, he chatted. He said, yeah, my, my daughter's works at the BBC. She's a um, weather presenter. Of course, that's right. She was, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. And that's as far as he was concerned, that was the thing to tell me about himself. Mm. Not, I won the World Cup. Yeah, I think footballers sense at some stage that they're not particularly interesting apart from this one thing they can do well. And it's quite rare that you have people who become rounded personalities. Of course, they've got to be much older. Ian Wright has developed into a, into a really lovely, funny, but quite sort of... Yeah. And Gary, Gary Lineker eventually, after being on television <laughs> two billion times, has actually learned how to read the autocue and, you know... To... <laughs> Okay, so that lovely Michael Thomas goal goes into the time capsule. So what's your second item, Rory? Uh, my second item um, is a photograph, and it's the one of the few photographs I have which have myself and my wife, Nicola, my two children from my first wife, uh, my two parents, uh, mum and dad, you know, you get the idea, um, mm-hmm. and my, all my brothers and sisters. And it was taken in Cornwall uh, during the total eclipse of the sun. Mm. And so it was a very memorable event. And um, it's it's one of the few photos where you know, my brother from Spain is uh, my younger brother and his family, my elder brother, uh, you know, my two children who lived in Oxford at the time, uh, and my parents before they died. So, yeah. Well, obviously, before they die, I, I didn't take any photographs of them after they died, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's so very respectful of you. <laughs> well, actually, I did, but that's another story. Um, and and I'll tell you what, as a Cornishman, it's, it's, there's something significant. About At the age of, I think I must have been about eight, uh, one Christmas, I got an atlas you know, just Atlas of the World, but it also had lots of stuff about astronomy and, you know, mineralogy and stuff. And I remember reading, they said, the next total eclipse of the sun visible in the UK will be on August the 11th, 1999. It'll only be visible in West Cornwall. And because I, I was born and brought up in West Cornwall, and I was reading this Atlas on Christmas Day in West Cornwall, and I said to myself, wherever I am in the world, I am mm. going to come with my family, if I have any, to my parents' house in Ilogan in Cornwall, and see the eclipse. And yeah. so that, that date was in my head. And I remember the year before, I had a friend who runs a hotel uh, not far from our house in Cornwall. And I said, I'll book every room out and I'll get, you know, I'll get anyone who wants to come and say, hey, I've booked this hotel for the eclipse, you know. And uh, no, nobody was remotely interested. I had the hotel. But we, did, we did. No, hey, can you imagine that? Yeah. That's and crazy. People, people saying, and Griff saying, Rory, um, why, why, why do you want me to come to Cornwall? I said because it's the totally. This is the totally. It's only visible from Cornwall. It's you know, it's it's next year, nineteen ninety nine. It's August eleventh. It's been, it's my childhood dream that we all get together. But Christian, so how 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 long is it? I said, well, it'll be it'll be roughly two minutes eleven seconds. <laughs> You want me to come to Cornwall for four days and stay in a hotel for two minutes, 11 seconds of darkness. 
no, so like every, no, nobody came. But I, we we managed to fill the hotel with sort of uh, friends, and and it was it's, it was cloudy. It's predictably it's in the middle of summer in Cornwall. It's going to be cloudy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happened was we couldn't see the eclipse itself. Everything went darker. Um, uh, well, you couldn't see anything at all. We're having a barbecue in the garden as well. It was pissing down with rain. And uh, there's my son, Joe, who um, watching inside the house, on watching on telly, saying, hey, Dad, look, you can see the total eclipse of the sun. And this was live from Bulgaria, where they had a fantastic view. I said, Joe, we've come all the way here to, to watch this thing live. You know. And, of course, at total darkness, I took the photograph for the time capsule, which is, has all my loved ones in one picture. How lovely. Uh, but you can't see any of them because it's dark. <laughs> <laughs> when that happened, I was in France, yeah, and it went see. like dusk. It was a weird feeling, though. It was a weird sort of light. Well, well, the strange thing, what, what made it a bit spooky, was that uh, about two or three minutes before any shadow, all the birds suddenly landed on the rooftops and all the sort of electric wires and telegraph poles and shut up and it was yeah. it was really this is a horror film moment like why why have all the birds suddenly perched like it's you know they're going to sleep and then it, darkness came over it and it was it was actually quite quite a spooky thing you know it's amazing isn't it how how do they know how do they know that because that is before we can sense any change in the light so well i i there's something in fact i asked a jackdaw that very day i said how did afterwards i said how did <laughs> how did you know how did you know to, to, to roost? Uh, nothing. 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 Should have asked a parrot. <laughs> yes. It was a fantastic thing, I have to say. And I was very tempted. Uh, you should have asked me. I would have come down. I'll tell you call. what, mate. There was a room spare. You know, there was a oh, room spare. No. It's a nice thing because of this sort of eight-year-old fancy about, my God, there's this book, which is yeah. an atlas of the world, that mentions West Cornwall specifically. And August eleventh, nineteen ninety nine, is such an easy you know, and it was eleven o'clock as well. So it was. Um, it, I got very excited about it, but people sort of looked at me rather, rather pityingly, and saying, "Yeah, it's a very big event, Rory. Yes, this this two minutes eleven seconds of darkness, which has preoccupied you for years, Rory. Apparently, no, I, I'm on your side. I have. Thank to say. you, mate. I'm completely with you. I think that those magical things that you discover as a child, and then actually eventually getting the chance to fulfil them. That, that's well worth doing. Yeah. It really is. I don't think there are many from my childhood. As a teenager, I went to see the Royal Shakespeare Company, and then I waited until I was uh, 58 before I worked for them. And actually, right, the really? first, night, first night of going on stage at the Royal Shakespeare Company for me was quite an emotional thing. And everybody kept saying, are you all right? I said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. I, I'm not nervous. I wasn't nervous at all. I was very excited. But it was the, the idea that all those years ago, I dreamt about it. I'd stood on that stage as a teenager and thought, that's what I'd like to do. That's what I'd like to be. And so I waited all that time. And then, you know, at the point where you think, well, this is not going to happen, suddenly the opportunity occurred. Wow. and there I was. You know. when, when you were, when you were, can I ask you a question? When you were a teenager standing on that stage, mm. um, 
was there a production on? Did they say, what's this teenager doing? <laughs> hey, get off. Get right. off the bloody Who is stage. he? Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, I went for a tour after having seen Ian McKellen and mm. uh, Francesca Annis in, in Romeo wow. and Juliet. Can we say Mike, Michael Fenton Stevens is a, uh, an RSC act? Can we say he's a Royal Shakespearean? He's performing in this podcast with kind permission of the Royal Shakespeare. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's what they used to say at the end of radio programmes, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's lovely also that you treasure that photograph of your family all together. You know, that, that doesn't yeah, this, happen very this often. Blurred, 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 that dark bit, is that my dad? Or that dad, it's, it's my dad, I think, yeah. Or, or, my, or, wife, or my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or is it the barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to put that photograph into the time capsule and uh, preserve it for you forever. So mm-hmm. what's, uh, what's number three? Okay, we're going to take a very short break here for some ads, the things that help to pay for the making of this podcast. So thanks for your indulgence. See you in a sec. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There we are. That didn't take long. Now let's get straight back to Rory McGrath and find out what else he'd like to put in his time capsule. It's a bacon sandwich. I don't blame you. I want to ask you a question, okay? Okay. Good. You say that. You Mm. say that, Mike. But, you know, I've got into fights over this one. You get 10 people in a room uh, and say, what's your definition of bacon sandwich? You'll get 10 different definitions. So if I ask you, Mike Stevens, your bacon sandwich, tell me me what it is. Well, it's – so you cut the loaf yourself – so it's a crusty white loaf. Oh, you see, the bread is a factor. You've gone white. That's correct. Thank you. All right. Uh, lots of proper butter. Butter! He said but <laughs> You see, Mike Stevens said butter. Hello? He puts <laughs> butter on his bacon sandwiches. White bread with butter. You're ahead. And people say, to me, oh, butter, Rory. You put, b- bacon is greasy and... Got a lot of fat. Yeah, but butter. Yeah. I said, no, that's the point butter. of it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, right. I'm going to test whether I'm, I'm completely with you on this then because I like the bacon to be well done and oh. I don't. Oh, no, this is the one. This is where we test it. I don't put any sauce on it. No sauce. No sauce. I love you, Mike. 
you're doing very well so far. Let's go back to this white crusty loaf, though. Yes. White is good. I like that. But sort of a you know a cob that sort of thing, like a, a, a white farmhouse loaf with oh. a good crust on it. That's what oh, I'd go for. Really? Yeah. I think you really meant. I want two slices of really shit bread, spongy, <laughs> mother's pride, mother's m- pride, m- mighty white, spongy bread. Yeah, that, I think that's what you okay. meant. Wasn't it? Is that what I meant? And that, that's yeah. what I meant to say. Yeah, I wouldn't want a really classy home baked loaf. So, is that yours? That's your choice. Wait, hang on, we haven't finished yet, mate. Of, oh, okay. Well done, white bread. Well done, butter. The bacon. Now, are we talking smoked, streaky, green? Well done, crispy. Smoked or unsmoked uh, is the big one. Uh, uh, unsmoked. <laughs> We're getting a round of applause. Yeah, go, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't, you're getting a big hit rate on this one. <laughs> are we talking streaky? Are we talking back? Are we talking middle? No, 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 no back. He's done it again. He's got, you're going to get to the, like, you know, you want to be a million, you're going to get to the, the and now for a million. <laughs> now <laughs> your final question. Right. So, um, now that you would go back to what you said earlier, you said, well done. Yeah, not not crispy. I would not say. crispy. I would, no, oh, no. Okay. Just I like it so it sort of goes slightly firm in places, as it were. You know, I yeah. like the rind to go slightly brown. Oh, do you know what you've just done? You've just <laughs> you mentioned haven't... rind. You've uh, just mentioned rind. You want it to go slightly firm, the rind. Right. And what does that what does that tell me about you, Mike? It tells me that you leave the rind on, which is another. You're doing. Can't going. believe this. Yeah, you're getting through this, mate. Although there are there are people <laughs> listening to this who are just shouting and saying, "What are you talking about? This is rubbish." But I'm you're quite you. right. You are quite right. That, that's this is your bacon sandwich. Though. This is your bacon sandwich. This is why we started, because you know, I've, I've spoken to people that, um, oh, bacon sandwich. He said, "I said, well, um, the bread has to be not too well toasted." I said, "Excuse me." What? Did I say toasted bacon sandwich or did I say bacon sandwich? You know. <laughs> I'm glad it doesn't mean much to you. That's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you can get it. It's a first world luxury, this problem, isn't it? So, yeah. So how are we doing? So we know so you've, you've actually done very well. And that's it. But yours, though, is mother's pride. That's the thing shit, I got wrong. Shit white bread. Shit, shit white bread. Butter. Yeah. Back bacon, unsmoked, rind on, rind a bit firm, um, not too well done, not crispy, and no sauce. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't far off. Brilliant. We should have well, a bacon sandwich together. I, I then, tell you when we should, and when we find this time capsule, we'll be fighting over it. We'll be fighting. Over <laughs> we it. will be. All right. Well, I'm going to make you a lovely bacon sandwich to your recipe, which is clearly <clears> the correct recipe, uh, and then I, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it in that silver foil. I think, yeah, that, that's a good idea. I quite like that as well. Okay. Uh, that's brilliant. Okay, Rory, so we've got two items to go. What's your next item? I wanted to put scratching my ass in the time capsule because <laughs> it's something that gives me a lot of pleasure. Um, I didn't mention that. I'm not putting a scratch my ass in because I think it's crude. It's crude and unpleasant. <laughs> and uh, therefore, you wouldn't mention it. No, yeah. Obviously not. I wouldn't mention it and then not put it in, obviously. Um, <laughs> what are you going to put in instead? I'm going to put in my first ever full-size guitar because the first full-size guitar I got was a a Yamaha FG140, if you're making notes. Um, (laughs) And to this day, I've got eight guitars in this house, um, which you would think is excessive. For someone eight who can't play the guitar, you think that's a lot of guitars to have, you know. Um, But this first one I have, which I got 
when I was about 16, so that would have been, oh dear, I've, 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 I've lumbered myself now. Yeah. Over 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, and it's still got the best tone of all my guitars. When I, when I play one of my three chords on it, it's, it's still got the best tone. Mm. Uh, and it's given me a lot of pleasure playing the guitar. It hasn't given many other people pleasure, but it gives me pleasure. And, um, you know, I like writing songs, uh, some serious, some funny. Um, and I have it here. I have it here so I can give it oh. Okay, well, give us, a, give us a bit of the tone. Yeah, it's, uh, so that, that's Lovely. like that. And, and it is... Uh, I, always, uh, I think of you as associated with the guitar, actually. I always think of you and the, the songs that you've written over the years. Mm. And to this day, that uh, I'm going to sing a song, it goes... Uh, C D G C D F G, not very good lyrics, but it's a great tune. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. You say that? I used to say when I was I worked with uh, uh, a wonderfully um, I sound like Stephen Fry now, extraordinarily talented, uh, splendidly, <laughs> splendidly talented uh, uh, musician called Philip Pope. I don't know if you're familiar with Philip Pope at all. Mm. I'm sure you may have come across him in your work. Um, <laughs> We we did this show together, Short and Curly, as it was going to be called, because he's short and I'm <laughs> curly. We had to change that to Baldy and Fatty later on. <laughs> um, we first met um, musically. We were in a band called, uh, a blues band called Blue. Uh, got fed up with that, so we changed it to a reggae band uh, called Reg. Uh, and then we changed to a country band. Uh, we just couldn't <laughs> couldn't think of a name. Have we? Um, uh, no, I'm lost as well. I've no idea. So yeah. that, yeah. So we, and as you know, Phil and I put together this country and western band uh, for the Edinburgh Fringe in 1991, and we went back in 1992. I like country music because it's easy to play, and it's lyrically. It's one of the few genres of music which actually is lyrically like folk music, I suppose, is as well. But the lyrics, so if you want to do verbal jokes, country's a good vehicle for that. Yeah. Also, it has that sort of um, that seriousness about it, which which is very simple, isn't it? Uh, which is, I suppose, a good way of setting up a joke, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and in country western people are not. They're not shy about mawkishness and no. and simple sentimentality and things yeah, like yeah. that. I was talking to a guy called Phil McIntyre, who's a promoter in a bar in London, and I was, you know, we're all quite merry, and I said, hey, you put on shows, don't you, uh, Phil? And um, he said, yeah, 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 yeah. So why? I said, I've got a great idea. Can you put my, my band on? He said, oh, I didn't know you had a band, Roy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a country western band. It does comedy in country western. And he said, oh, what's it called? And I couldn't think of anything to say, so I said, it's called um, Death by Country. And he said, yeah, so what, I mean, what's the combo? I said, oh, it's it's uh, it's me on acoustic guitar, uh, Philip Pope uh, on acoustic guitar, keyboards, vocal, he's a good arranger, lead guitar, Sean Lyons, lead guitar. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I suddenly remembered someone's name. Um, so. He said, oh, well, is it good? I said, fuck, he's good. It's brilliant. It's really funny. Very, and, it, and musically, it's very sound. And this, I was so full of bullshit in those days. Uh, in those days, he says. Um, <laughs> obviously, you wake up the next morning, you have no memory of this. And about three weeks later, <laughs> Philip McIntyre phoned me up and said, I got you two weeks at the Gilded Balloon, Edinburgh. I said, <laughs> Phil, what the fuck? 
are you talking about? I said, for your band. And I said, what band? I said, your country western band. I said, I've got a country western band. Where do you get? I said, that was Rory, you told me. Death by country. And I thought, oh, God, yeah, I did. I said, oh, sorry, that band, that country western band. So I said, yeah, can I get back to you? Um, so put the phone down. Phone Phil Pope said, Phil! We need to write 20 songs and get a band together uh, for, for, for August <laughs> to do a comedy and country western show. And we have to write 20 comedy country western songs. So we actually, we got, we pulled it off in the end and we, we produced yeah. some, some great stuff and some crap stuff. But, you know, it was, it was, and it was one that it was a great fun show to do. It really was. Brilliant. It's like Field of Dreams, isn't it? If you build it, they will come. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's about as funny as Field of Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so your guitar then. Your guitar, yeah. you've kept it all this time. It's, um, people don't lose guitars, do they? They don't ever get rid of them. That's a strange thing, isn't it? Well, you're exactly right. Uh, that's a very good point. Um, and you make a, that point you make is a point that's been made by uh, Ralph McTell. I mean, I originally took up the guitar in order to learn Streets of London, the Ralph McTell song. Uh, yeah. One of, sorry, I should say, one of Ralph McTell's <laughs> hundreds of famous songs. I seen him, I got to know him quite well, actually. It's quite, it's, it's weirdly sort of thrilling for me to, to, mm. to, to meet his, his most, I don't know, do you ever met him? I haven't met him, but I did once do a play at the Colchester Mercury Theatre. They said you have to clear the dressing room because uh, Ralph McTell's performing here on Sunday. And so uh, I cleared my dressing room, but I left my wedding ring in the drawer in the dressing room and Ralph McTell performed there on the Sunday. And when I came back, my wedding ring was missing. So... I'm absolutely not accusing Ralph McTell of nicking my wedding ring. Shall I give Ralph a ring now? Not my ring. I want it back. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. A lovely pun on the word ring there, Michael. Thank you. Yeah, so Ralph McTell, uh, he says this, you know, I get a new guitar and I think, oh, this is the best guitar and I use it a lot. And then I get fed up, put it away. And he says, I've got 22 guitars (laughs) and I won't throw any of them away. And I think, why am I saving them? You know, yeah. you know, I'm 75. You know, I, I can only use one at a time. You know, actually, that, that guitar, the one I'm talking about, the FG 140. Uh, so I was doing a charity show at in Cambridge where I live, actually, at the Corn Exchange, and the people coming in, you know, they're coming from the day job in their suits and they get changed into the sandals and the sweater. You know, like getting ready to. I'm a folk <laughs> musician. Yeah, yeah. Where's my poncho? You know, where, um, <laughs> one bloke said to me, "Said that's." A, that's a Yamaha guitar, is it? Yes, yeah. And they said, uh, that's got a lovely tone. And uh, he said, uh, I'll buy it off you. I said, no, nah, what? He said, I'll give you 350 quid for it. And I said to him, I said, I'd love to make, but this is the guitar that's going in Mike Fenton Stevens' time capsule. <laughs> well, I, I would I would have said that, but in a sense, now it it it, it, it has that importance. You know, I could say this is. I said, I'm sorry, money, three hundred fifty pounds is a generous offer, but this is my first full size guitar. I, this is I can't part with this. The, the money will not buy this guitar. And he said, Oh well, I just thought I'd ask. Say, oh no no, hang on! <laughs> I'll go. To- <laughs> no, I, thought you, I thought you could offer four hundred. Yeah, exactly. I said four hundred. Four hundred. It's yours, mate. That's you know, like- <laughs> Oh well, as you find it's such a precious thing, then <laughs> we will put it into the time capsule. Lovely. So, lovely. I'm putting it in a case just to make sure it's safe. So we've got one other item, and uh, this is something that you want to get rid of, Rory. It is. 
I would like to put in the time capsule to be forgotten forever the 2013 Christmas Celebrity Edition final of University Challenge, which oh. Emmanuel, including me, lost to Gonville and Keys College, Cambridge. <laughs> well, they've got a sillier name, so that's all right. They've got, got well, they, 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 I'll tell you who the team were talking about silly names. Gonville and Keys had Mark Damaza, who was mm. controller of Radio 4 for a while, Lars Tharp. <laughs> You laugh, he's a famous antiques expert and historian. Yes, I know. I'm just worried about what's coming. <laughs> Quentin Stafford Fraser, who's um, oh. a, a, an IT entrepreneur. He, he is a lovely bloke. Um, and Helen Castor, the historian. Um, but when you've got yeah. someone like Lars Tharp on the team, you know, they, in university, they say Trinity Lloyd, you know, they were the college first. So it was Keith Tharp when he pressed the button. <laughs> And it's one of the reasons he kept beating. He was very, he's a very bright bloke, uh, Lars Tharp. And the buzzers cancel each other out. So the first person with a buzzer means nobody else buzzes. That's how it works. So Jeremy packs me and asks a question. Right? And he goes, Key Tharp. And I thought, hang on a minute. Well, why didn't they say Emmanuel McGrath then? You know, and it kept happening. And he was so fast on the buzzer. And I know what's happening that hearing the words Key Tharp, was such a bizarre thing that that, that stuck in my head every time. I, I said, "Oh, I know this one." Mm, key Tharp. Why is someone saying Key Tharp all the time? Someone is saying Key Tharp. What the fuck is Key Tharp? You know, someone came up to you in the street and said, "Key Tharp." Get back! You know, I think so I'm just this. This whole thing is an getting my excuses as to why we did so badly in it. Uh, when they phoned, my agent phoned up and said. Do you want to be uh, in the Emmanuel College uh, Celebrity University Challenge team uh, at Christmas? And I said, no, no, of course I don't. I said, I'll tell you who will, though. Uh, Griffiths Jones will. Sebastian Falks will. And they said, oh, no, no. Um, Sebastian Falks turned it down and recommended Griffiths Jones. Griffiths Jones turned it down and recommended you. I said, oh, God, so... You just don't want to let down your alma mater, though, do you? No, I don't. And uh, apart from, you know... Losing to a better team, which we're going to have to, you know, face up to that fact. Okay. Um, so on on my team, we had uh, myself. Uh, we had Hugo Rifkind. He's a journalist, and he's got a very famous dad, of course. Uh, yes. Sir Malcolm Rifkind, the um, mm -hmm. the trapeze artist, a oh, politician. Sorry. <laughs> I get those mixed up. Um, we had. Simon Singh, do you know Simon Singh? The yes, pop, a marvellous writer. Yeah, marvellous uh, si scientific writer. Remember this, Mike, he's the science man on our team. Uh, we had a gorgeous girl called um, Marianne Ochota, who is an anthropologist. So that's the four of us. And Hugo said to me, we've had some conference calls practising, which is really embarrassing. You know? And uh, Hugo said, do you think um, garage and house music are likely to crop up? Because that, that's really my, my forte, garage music. Uh, I said, well, anything else at all, like politics, writing, history? No, not really, just garage music. I said, okay, uh, that's fine. Uh, Simon Singh is a good science writer. Um, and Marianne Otota. It was good at all the anthropology questions, which were zero uh, on the night. But when I was a student at Emmanuel, I'd actually applied to be on the student you know back in 1974 but uh, i went with this friend uh, called harry potter no he was called harry potter he long before the books came out he was called harry potter and me and harry 
we cheated during the so any answer I didn't know he knew and vice versa. So we got hundred percent. We were found out, and we also had somebody in the manual called John Emmanuel. And I'd said to the president, I said, what we need is John Emmanuel should be in the team. So when he presses the buzzer, I go, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. <laughs> and they said, but John Emmanuel doesn't want to do it and he doesn't know anything. And we had a guy called Andy Kant, C-A-N-T, Kant. I said, we put him in because then they'll say, Emmanuel Kant. And he's like, hey! <laughs> yeah, but all these ideas were, were yeah. food. So we oh, went well. on. And there was one question which uh, we got, which was, which group of metals is named after element number 78? I said, Simon, element 78 is platinum. So they must be called the platinum metals. And he looked at me and said, no, there's no, I never heard of platinum metals. I said, no, but I've never heard of platinum metals either. But element 78 is platinum. Now, I know all the proton numbers. It's one of the sad things I did when you know. So I said, 78 is platinum. And he went, mm, Simon Singh, who was our captain, so he was the last spokesman, said, um, um, but no, I'm not saying platinum. It's definitely not platinum metals. I think, I think they're called the lanthanides. So I will say lanthanides. And Jeremy Pax went, I'm afraid he's right. It's platinum. Oh. And instead of getting over it and saying, right, next question, I'm sitting there going, Jesus Christ, Simon, Simon. Like, and of course, that's what lost. That's what lost us. It was not the fact that you know he overruled me on the wrong answer. That I then was out of the game completely because I was so annoyed yeah. that I didn't, you know, insist on it. You know, and that I would yeah. just I don't answer any more questions after that. And the worst thing is, is University Challenge up to that point had been my favourite program. It's one of the few. Uh, me and I, we don't watch much television. University Challenge and Air Crash Investigation. They are the only two programs we watch, <laughs> you know. So that's 2013. I haven't watched it since. I cannot no. watch it. No, I can't watch it. Oh, no, Rory, that's such a loss. I know. I, it's a, it's with me. It's one of those things. I sit down and watch it with my wife and listen to my wife answer the question. <laughs> I could never do that program. I'd be absolutely useless. But um, having taken that risk, made that big jump, that leap into, okay, I will go in it. Because so many people would just, as you say, your first reaction is, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not stupid. If I was recommending someone to do it, I would recommend you because you've always oh, been, you've always been that person who just has this extraordinarily broad knowledge. And that's yeah. what you need. Yeah, full of shit is what you're saying, Mike. Isn't it? <laughs> that's I'm right. Always, yeah. It's always been full of shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I say, you know, people phone me up and say, John at university. Of course not. I'm not stupid. I'm yeah. stupid, in fact. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you are <laughs> stupid. All right, so we're going to take that um, that act of complete stupidity mm. and we're going to lock it away for you, Rory. So it's uh, it's gone. I've met him a few times since, you know, and he has no recollection of it at all. I say, Simon, element number 78, platinum. And he goes, well, sorry, what do you mean? That's, you know, oh. the question in the University Challenge is, oh, yeah, did we? Oh, yeah, because you, you were in that, weren't you, with me? Oh. And I think, yeah, he's like, you remember the fucking program. And it's, I, it's, I, it's like a fucking stain on my soul. It, I live with this. I live with it daily. I can't see a 78 bus go past. So I think I've heard platinum. 
Well, I would have recommended Simon Singh's book about the maths in The Simpsons. Oh, that's no, a great. That's a great book. It's a yeah, great but no, we're not. No, that's it. Don't read it. Please don't read it. I'm going to tell all the listeners. <laughs> all right, thank you, Rory. Well, we're going to seal up the time capsule, and there you are. Things are safe or hidden, one or the other. Yeah. So, thank you very much for being in my time capsule. It's been lovely to talk to you. No, it's always a joy, Mike. Always a joy. Thank you so much for having me. You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my guest, Rory McGrath. You can listen to this episode again and all other episodes by subscribing to this podcast on Acast, Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or whichever podcast provider you personally prefer. If you want more information about past and future episodes, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You just search My Time Capsule or Fenton Stevens, and it'll take you there. If you have the time, we'd be most grateful if you would rate this podcast and maybe get creative and leave a small review. No hyphen in Fenton Stevens, by the way. You could leave a review like this one. Um, this is from someone who calls himself Peased Off. Don't know why. Um, it says... What I really hate about this podcast is the way they keep banging on about reviews or the... F oh, right. Um, oh, um, well, maybe this one then. Um, a listener called Stick Your Reviews Right Up Your... Yeah, maybe not. Um, no, you don't have to write a review. <laughs> Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.